Now, your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. Another day, another COVID nineteen update. Not really. We'll do we'll do a little bit of that. Well, we'll do all of that. Honestly, we, what am I talking about? Um, I'm trying to get the Facebook Live going because I'm doing a hundred different things. But today, I'll type this and I'll just say what I'm typing. Uh, Republican President, uh, what is a Senate leader, Republican Senator Jeremy Miller is going to come on in about eh, seven minutes. Minnesota State Senator. And that's what I'm typing. And after that, Wisconsin Supreme Court Judge nominee, Jill Karofsky, is going to join us. I talked to Jill an hour ago, so it's just a recorded interview. And I kind of had fun talking to her about ultramarathons, Ironman races. There's no real good way to say that, Ironman. And uh, we talked a little bit about the Supreme Court nomination process and, and how, obviously, this virus is 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 uh, affecting everything. Trying to get Facebook Live going. Joe Karofsky, Supreme Court nominee. There we go. Okay, I'm hitting, I'm hitting go live now on Facebook. Sorry for those who are putting up with me doing that, giving you the play-by-play there. But... Uh, all right, a couple other things here, and then I'll I'll break for news, and I'll bring Jeremy Miller back, get as much time with him. If you guys want to, if you guys have questions, if you want to ask a state senator, I, he's a Minnesota state senator, but I, I thought I'd br- bring him on. I, he's he's a, when I live in Winona, he's a guy I knew a little bit. It's not like we were friends or anything, but um, he did sponsor his his dad did or Miller Scrap they own. They did sponsor a basketball team of mine one year, so. Uh, it was, I had to ask Jeremy for money. So that, thanks Jeremy. Um, but, uh, he's a guy I've, I've known in Winona and, um, being that I have a little bit of a relationship there, you know, if you have questions, Hey, what, what is the state government doing to help people, you know, deal with this crisis? Here's a good opportunity to just, to just shoot me a text 608-785-7914 and ask, you guys did a really good job of that yesterday. When when talking to uh, who did I talk to? Man, there's so many. Uh, this the county health department, right? Uh, did a great job sending me a couple of texts. I, I I pawned them off like they were my own questions, when actually they were they were great text questions. So thank you for that. I love to crowdsource the show and uh, put put you guys in charge of uh, asking the questions because. You probably have you probably have uh, different perspectives than I do, right? You're gonna have. I'm here at work. A lot of you maybe are at home and don't have a job right now. So what are you guys doing? <laughs> what are you doing with it? Not with your time, but what are you going to do when when the bills start coming? I guess right. So that's kind of one of the questions I wanted to ask Jeremy Miller, and and just in that regard, because they're obviously in charge of you know setting up funding for people and 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 whatnot. So. I'll go to the phones real quick. Eric from Sparta is calling in. Eric, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, where's your buddy tonight? Okay, thanks for that. Can't can't be in the studio. We're social distancing. Keith Knudsen 
for those who are expecting Keith Knutson today, uh, he's on spring break, extended spring break. Actually, he uh, with with everything that's going on and and having guests lined up and Keith not being able to come into the studio because of the virus, we've we've postponed this week. He'll be back. We'll we'll get him on the phone next week and uh, talk about whatever it is that's going to happen a week from now because God only knows. Um, all right, we're going to break for news. I'll bring Jeremy Miller back, state senator, Senate Republican leader, too, from Winona after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. You guys want to get in here? Shoot me a text. If you got questions for state senator Jeremy Miller out of Winona, is that what do we call it? Is that how we say that, Jeremy, out of Winona, or is there like a district name for you? Uh, it is Senate District 28, which includes all of Houston, Fillmore, and Winona counties, or about three quarters of Winona County, but all of Houston and Fillmore counties. Okay, Senate District 28. Is that what you said? 28. Yes, sir. It's not. It's not very. That's not a good number. Like you can't even equate that to a a sports star. Like 28. Nobody has 28. <laughs> um, all right, and you're you're also the Republican Senate re, Senate President, right? Yes, I am the the president of the Minnesota Senate. Have you decide, Have you cr- created legislation to change that to Senate Czar? Have you done that yet? I have not. Okay, that's I on the not. docket though. Right after this COVID thing passes over, right? That, I it, it it has not crossed my mind yet, but uh, but clearly it's on your mind now. Now it will. You're like, yeah, that is a good idea, Senate Czar. I need that title. I'll be thinking about that. Now. Is is that something that? You know, just before we get into the nitty gritty with the the virus, is that something that you get voted on every two years, or every f- what four six years? Uh, yeah, so uh, typically uh, a member of the majority party is uh, becomes senator, the Senate president. It is voted on by the members of the Senate, and in the past, it was always the most uh, senior member of the caucus and uh, things uh, switched, got switched around a little bit uh, this year. And I was actually the youngest senator in our state's history to become Senate president at 35 years old uh, last year. Are you the, how, how close are you to being the youngest senator? Uh, when I was elected in 2010, I was the second youngest senator in our state's history that was elected uh, since then, now I've gotten older, and, and some others have been elected. So I'm not the youngest member of the Senate right now. Uh, there are a handful of members that are younger than me at this point in time. And when you were a rookie, did they make you like carry your, their briefcases around the older senators and stuff like that, or not? Um, no, not <laughs> no so hazy. much. Uh, there is definitely a, a steep learning curve for any new member of the Senate, and. And, and I'll be honest with you, Rick, when, when I first ran for the Senate, I heard it all. I was too young, didn't have the experience, uh, couldn't win, and, uh, and I won. And when I got to the Senate, it was a little bit of the same thing, but uh, really by working together and developing relationships with, with colleagues on both sides of the aisle, I, I really developed a, a, not only good relationships, but a reputation of someone who's there to get the work done. I don't, I'm not a, a real political guy. I'm, I'm there to work together with constituents and my colleagues and, 
really just try to do good things for the people in the state of Minnesota. That's that's the reason why I ran, and that's why I'm still there. Yeah, and that's why I like having you on the show. <laughs> um, you've been on here one other time, but and I haven't been doing it that long, so that's why it's only been twice. But okay, so spe- speaking of that, obviously this is a time in need where we need to like probably throw out a lot of the partisan politics and the arguing and bickering. And and get to work on 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 stuff because stuff's got to get done. Like every day, this thing changes. How hectic is it for you guys in the Senate? For you personally? Yeah, the coronavirus situation, uh, of course, is a, a very serious situation. But it's it's really a unique and uncertain and and difficult time for uh, folks, not only here in the state of Minnesota or, or a lot of your listeners in Wisconsin, but throughout the country and frankly throughout the entire world. And what we're doing, the Minnesota Senate has been working uh, diligently with the Minnesota House of Representatives and the governor on bipartisan solutions to first uh, try to combat the spread of the coronavirus, and then number two, to treat it and make sure that our hospitals, our uh, senior centers, our um, our long-term care facilities, our nursing homes, make sure that everyone has uh, the necessary equipment and testing supplies and everything that they need to help treat and prevent the virus. So we've been working together in a, in a bipartisan manner. And as you said, uh, it's been my, that's my philosophy all along. Uh, now we're seeing it throughout the state, throughout the country. People are, people are really throwing the politics uh, to the side and, and trying to work together to resolve this the best we can. Yeah, in terms of state government, at least that that's where it's at, and it's it's been pretty nice. And I guess federally, like we're getting, we seem to be passing stuff without a whole lot of bickering. Um, but and that's really important. So you guys, you know, you were giving me the the cliff notes. Uh, so when Minnesota kind of came back in session, I think the news started that hey, Minnesota has a one and a half billion dollars surplus. I believe Wisconsin came back. Um, and had a surplus as well, but that's that's starting in in you know the talk was you know how are we going to give this money back you know or you know the how, the the Republican side of things was how are we going to give this money back to the taxpayers the Democrat side of things was you know we could use this money for education or you know whatever that that was kind of the argument going on and now I think we can all see like hey Minnesota is a one and a half billion dollar surplus. We all know where this money needs to go. How how difficult is it to decide and, and try to figure out, you know, we're trying to get ahead of the game on the virus, and how difficult is it to decide where this money gets distributed? Well, long story short, the, the projected $1.5 billion surplus is pretty much gone due to the current economic uh, circumstances in, in the country and in the state right now. Uh, when we came into session early on, there was the projected surplus was 1.2 billion, and then after the February forecast, that grew to one and a half billion dollars projected surplus. Most of that, at least here in the state of Minnesota, was was one-time uh, money. So any additional ongoing base funding would be very difficult because it's it's one-time money. You're right. We we did propose uh, some tax relief. I actually. Uh, proposed uh, the elimination of state income taxes on Social Security income. Minnesota is one of only 13 states that still taxes Social Security income, and uh, I proposed a bill to eliminate that. Uh, there were some other tax relief uh, proposals targeted to uh, middle-income Minnesotans. But one of the first bills that we passed this year uh, was a bill that I carried 
for $30 million in disaster relief. Now, this is related to natural disasters, uh, thunderstorms, tornadoes, windstorms, flooding, those types of things. So that bill passed uh, in the first few weeks that we were in session. So that was $30 million that came out of that surplus. And then about 10 days ago, we passed a bill for $21 million uh, that went into the public health response emergency account. And this was uh, money for the Minnesota Department of Health to use to monitor this coronavirus, provide information to the public, and coordinate a statewide response uh, related to the coronavirus. So that was $21 million, so now we're up to, to $51 million. And then just earlier this week, we passed a funding package of $200 million to help prepare hospitals, nursing homes, long-term care facilities, and other health care uh, facilities for the coronavirus. And these funds are available uh, for screening, testing, treatment, personal protection supplies, uh, to renovate uh, rooms. Uh, there were a lot of areas that needed to be renovated to help uh, treat people for the coronavirus. So the funds can be used for that and, and a number of, of other things as well as uh, provide testing free of charge for people that, that thought that they might have uh, the coronavirus. And if they didn't have insurance or other coverage, we wanted to make sure that they could, they could get tested. So $200 million plus the $21 million plus the $30 million. So we've already spent over $250 million of that $1.5 billion projected surplus. And my guess, Rick, is that uh, with the way things are going and, and how the economy is has really slowed down, that that projected surplus, the rest of it is is okay. Uh, that makes sense. Gone or almost gone. That makes sense. It's a projected surplus, and then everything fell through the floor. So that projection is way Correct. off. Um, I was I was thinking it was like Scrooge McDuck, and you had one and a half billion in a tower somewhere that you could swim in and coins. Um, but that's we, not we that's don't. not the case. But the good news is that our budget reserve and cash flow accounts in Minnesota are full, so I'm confident that we will be able to find ourselves out of this thing as as long as it doesn't last uh, uh, a, a super long time. And and who knows? Uh, hopefully, hopefully we're getting it under control. Um, you you mentioned too when you passed the two hundred billion two hundred million dollars for hospital care. Uh, you you guys ended up passing that at three in the morning uh, Tuesday morning. Was that like a like a twenty four hour session or twelve hour session or were y'all zombies at that point? Yeah, I mean it it, it did turn into a, a late night, but it was we we were trying to do a couple things, Rick. Uh, one, we are trying to get this emergency funding in place, and Minnesota is the only split legislature in the country. So the House of Representatives is controlled by Democrats. The Senate is controlled by Republicans. And then, of course, we have a, a Democrat governor here in Minnesota. So just working through some of those dynamics, uh, the Senate Republicans definitely wanted to prioritize and, and get this money out. But at the same time, we wanted to make sure that there were some oversight and, and control measures in place so the money could not just be spent uh, on unnecessary things. We wanted to make sure that uh, if we allocated these funds that they were uh, spent on true needs of, of related to the coronavirus and helping our hospitals and, 
in long-term care facilities and the the senior citizens at nursing homes. So that's why it took a little bit longer. But uh, yes, we we got it done, and and that money is is now available to the Department of Health. Speaking with State Senator Minnesota State Senator Jeremy Miller, um, Jeremy, the the next step here would be since Governor Tim Walz, like Governor Evers in Wisconsin, has you know essentially closed bars. Closed businesses almost. I mean, it's getting to that point where a lot of businesses have changed their hours. Uh, bars are having to remodel their or, or re, change their business model essentially to be a delivery company. And, uh, you know, so the next step is, you know, A, how are you going to help these small businesses, bars and whatnot? And then B, people are going to be out of work because of all these changes. So they're just not going to be getting paychecks and, and be, you know, essentially not going to be able to pay the rent, pay for food, and maybe even pay for health insurance when it comes to, you know, if this thing gets worse or just, you know, in general, people get sick. So they might have to go to the doctor. So what's the next step? Yeah, yeah, Rick, this is, again, this is a really bad deal. And uh, I heard from the Department of Employment and Economic Development, uh, otherwise known as DEED here in Minnesota, that last year at this time they had about 2,100 or 2,500 applications for unemployment benefits. And as of yesterday, it was, I think it was 50 or 60,000 applications. And so what we're doing here in Minnesota, uh, you can ask whether or not it was the right thing to close down the bars and restaurants and, and other businesses. I don't get into those arguments. What I want to do is uh, make sure that we're supporting the employees that were laid off and do what we can to help support the small businesses. So the state of Minnesota has expedited unemployment benefits, uh, unemployment insurance benefits for the workers who have been laid off or lost their jobs as a result of the coronavirus. And then just yesterday, the Minnesota Department of Revenue extended the deadline for the sales and use tax payments that were actually due tomorrow on the 20th. They uh, extended that 30 days. I know the Small Business Administration, which is a a federal uh, administration, they're offering low-interest loans for working capital to small businesses. And I know the federal government's also working on some uh, rather large stimulus relief packages as well. And if folks have any questions on anything that's available to them in the state of Minnesota, feel free to call my office, 651-296-5649, or send me an email, Miller at senate.mn. And then I'm also trying to keep my official Senate Facebook page up to date with with resources, that is uh, Senator Jeremy Miller on Facebook. So whatever I can do to be helpful, provide information, point people in the right direction, uh, that's what we're here for, and that's what we're we're trying to do. Now, with you traveling, you obviously have a home in in Winona. Um, are you are you able to come and go, or you know how does that work? Is 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 the the wife home from work now? I don't know what the wife does. So I guess how's your family life going? Yeah, so any time you run for public office, especially at the state level in Minnesota where you're a, a rural or greater Minnesota legislator, it's it's definitely a, a balancing act and, and a sacrifice on the family. So uh, when we're in session, typically I'm in St. Paul uh, Monday through Thursday. And then, of course, balancing. Uh, I'm a small business owner here in town, and my wife and I have a couple other businesses that we're involved with. And uh, then we have three young boys. We have an eight-year-old and twins who are six years old. So 
it's it's definitely a balancing act. And generally, I would be in St. Paul. I'm I'm actually in Winona today, and heading back to uh, St. Paul tomorrow for for some more meetings uh, related to the coronavirus and trying to navigate through these difficult times and do anything and everything we can to help support the people in the state of Minnesota. Do a lot of teachers come to you with, uh, hey, we need to do this or that? Because obviously you have kids in school, so you're going to have a a pretty good relationship with some teachers. Yeah, I actually uh, just met with a group of teachers uh, from here in Winona a few weeks ago. I've toured, uh, if not all, uh, most of the schools uh, throughout uh, the Senate district. So I have a very good working relationship with with our teachers and and many others here in in southeastern Minnesota. And is the wife doing okay with having the kids home all day every day? Uh she my wife is a rock star. I couldn't <laughs> do what I do without uh, her support and uh she has been doing a fantastic job with with our boys. And having three boys, uh, 8 years old and two 6-year-olds is uh, no easy easy task. It's uh, oftentimes uh, pure chaos at our house. Yeah, I'm pretty we would, sure. We would not have it any other way. <laughs> My mom would agree with you. All right, Jeremy, thanks a lot for for calling in and 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 giving us the update and you know, anytime uh, you know, you can shoot me a, a text or email if you got other info you think needs to come out to the public. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do it. And again, one more time, my telephone number at the Capitol, 651-296-5649, or my email address is sen.jeremy.miller at senate.mn. If people have questions, comments, or feedback on the things we're doing related or unrelated to the coronavirus, please reach out and uh, we'll do whatever we can to uh, be helpful and always willing to listen. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you, sir. Bye. All right, Senator Jeremy Miller out of Minnesota, kind of informing us what what Minnesota's doing. Uh, I think a lot of the states are in the same boat, right? And and Minnesota's a little different, split legislature, only one in the country. Just like our federal government's a split legislature, House is uh, Democrat, the Senate is Republican, President is different. The President is obviously Republican, and in Minnesota, the Governor is Democratic, but anyway... Uh, Got to hit news. We're going to hit Scott's comment in the news in just a minute. We'll be back with an interview with Supreme Court nominee in Wisconsin, Jill Karofsky. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. On the phone with me now, State Supreme Court nominee, Jill Karofsky. Now, Jill, like the show before the show, I'm doing... Me and civics, me when it comes to court knowledge, I'm not going to be great. So if we can get through all that stuff and then start talking about your ultra running career, your Mer- uh, your Ironman career, that's where I want to get to. So let's get all this judge nominee stuff out of the way and then let's get there as soon as possible, okay? Sounds good. I'm with you. <laughs> all right. So obviously the, the elections are... Well, let's let's do this first. How are you dealing? Everyone needs to know how is a Supreme Court nominee dealing with the virus? And you want to be out and about campaigning, but you can't really do that. You were going to be here in La Crosse, I think, uh, last weekend, but you couldn't do yeah. that either. You know, look, like everyone in the state of Wisconsin, everyone in this country and everyone around the world, um, we have been impacted by COVID-19. You know, personally, I've got a 19-year-old daughter who's back from college and is staying here, not going back to school. And I have a sophomore in, in high school. My son is a sophomore at high school here in Madison. He's not going back to school. Uh, the courthouse is closed except for 
the most important hearings and our campaign is impacted as well. First and foremost, we want to make sure people are safe and healthy. We're not having any more in-person events. We're taking everything virtually. We're getting our message out digitally. We're up on TV all across the state of Wisconsin, and we are continuing to do everything we can to reach out to voters. It's really important that people get out and vote early. It's important that they vote by absentee if they are able to. And I just want to make sure that I let everyone know that the website is myvote.wi.gov, and that gives you all the information you need about early voting or about voting absentee in Wisconsin. Okay, so, and then you mentioned before we started talking on, on air, your, your kids and your dogs. How many dogs do you have? That's another big interest of mine. Yeah, I have, a, I have one dog. I have an 11-and-a-half-year-old golden retriever with one eye named Cleo, who's yeah, the it, best sleeper in the world. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about, about right for, with mine. I have a 10-year-old golden retriever. I think she turns 11 at the, in uh, nine days. So, oh, um, What's her name? Her name is Millicent Bystander or Millie. Millie. Awesome. Yeah, Mine is and, Cleo. And she comes in here maybe once a week and, and hangs out in the studio. And then we make the rounds when actual people are in the office. We'll make the rounds to each office. So it's pretty great. That's awesome. Yeah, they love people. <laughs> yeah, it's love awesome. Love people. All right. So can we do this? How about legally? Is there any legal basis, since you, you have all this knowledge as a judge and a, and a lawyer, is there any legal basis to when this election happens, April 7th, and dealing with the virus, would we postpone it? Is there is that illegal to do? Or is that something that's on the table? It doesn't sound like this election is going to be postponed. And we certainly are moving with the frame of mind that this election is going to be on April 7th. That's what we are planning for. And we are prepared for this election to be in 19 days. So everything that we are doing right now is with a focus on uh, sprinting right through the finish line on, on April 7th. Okay. So, well, do you really sprint at the finish line when you're running ultra marathons? Is that something no. that happens or how does that end up? Ultra marathon, what is a hundred mile race, essentially hundred kilometers? Yeah. So I've done a lot of 50 Ks, uh, more than actually I can count. I've done a few 50 milers and I'm signed up for a hundred miler in August. Okay, so how did you how did you get started in doing that? Again, we're talking to Joe Karofsky, Supreme Court nominee in the April 7th election in Wisconsin, but I want to talk about running. So that's where we're going to go with this. Yeah, how do you get into ultramarathon? I ended at 5Ks, and I think seven miles was the most I ever ran, and that took too long. <laughs> well, that shows, how, that shows that you're very, very smart, and you still have your wits about you. Um, here's the thing is I started running when I was 10 years old. I started with my mom, and I talk about my mom a lot on the campaign trail. She was one of the first women mayors in Wisconsin history. My mom brought emergency medical service, and she brought buses to my small city when I was growing up, and I was so proud of her. The first time I ever walked into a courtroom, I walked into that courtroom to change my middle name to hers. So when you when you see the ballot, it will say Jill J. Karofsky. That J in the middle is for my mom, Judy. And my mom and I, went after my mom was mayor, she didn't win her bid for re-election, and she started running right away, like the next day. And I started running with her. I was only 10 years old. And I ran in middle school and I ran in high school. I ran D1 track and cross country in college. I started to run marathons after college. And as the years went by and I got older and older, I got slower and slower. And so I just started running further and further. And I got into ultras, 50 mile races and 50 kilometers, just 31 miles. And then I got into the triathlons, long distance triathlons, the Ironman. 
And, uh, you know, look, I just, I love being outside anywhere in Wisconsin. Heaven for me is being outside on some trail running or hiking or biking somewhere in the state of Wisconsin. And so it's just a great way to be outside and get a lot of exercise and helps me clear my head and makes me feel good. Yeah. The, uh, the way things are going, I think a lot of people might take up hiking or running and, and being outside in the lacrosse area is an awesome place to do that. I don't know if you've, you've gotten to experience Hicks and forest yeah. or anything around here. Yeah. So there's actually a 50 can Hicks in that I, I would like to do next fall. It, I think that'll be the third or fourth year and it is incredibly, incredibly hilly. We were in lacrosse for a campaign swing earlier this year and I did some running there and lacrosse is just gorgeous. I Where love you, running over there. And you, you've also, along with ultra marathons, you've also done some Ironmans. I guess we got to change the name of Ironman. Have they changed it yet? To uh, no, <laughs> Iron People. Iron Iron People. But you've done a couple of those, and, and if people don't know what Ironmans are, and I'm, it's a marathon, and then I guess it's a is it a hundred mile bike ride? It's a two point four mile open water swim, a hundred and twelve mile bike ride, and then a marathon, twenty six point two mile run. Okay, how many of those have you done? I finished two. You finished two. Okay, <laughs> that that entails that maybe you didn't finish a couple. Uh, the first one, I the first one, I woke up and, and was sick, and I did half half of it, but I wasn't able to eat anything, and it's just too long of a day if you're not able to to keep any food. So I went back the next year and finished it in in '07, and then I finished it again in 2011. And those Ironmans take about. Do they take like twelve hours? I have. It's been uh, for me. Uh, my fastest time was uh, thirteen hours and fifty three minutes. Okay. So, and then how long does a, a fifty mile ultra take? Uh, the the fifty miler I ran in September or, or August. I ran a fifty miler in August. Took me eleven hours and twenty two minutes. I think. Okay. So. Uh, I'm guessing the ultra marathon's a little bit easier. Just maybe, maybe not mentally, but physically, is it a little bit easier? No, I, th- I think the I think the Ironman, the triathlons are easier because you spend so much time on the bike. With the ultras, you're on your feet and your legs the whole time. It's a lot of pounding to your joints and blisters, and it's harder to eat also and to take enough calories in if you're just running on the bike. It's really easy to eat. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, again, speaking with Jill Karofsky, Wisconsin Supreme Court nominee for the April 7th election, and I told, I warned her that all I'm going to want to do is talk about running. But let, let's talk about running for Supreme Court. You're going up against Dan Kelly. I'm kind of a sports guy, so when, I, when I'm when i playing, I always make the joke when I play somebody new in basketball, I'm like, hey, what's your scouting report? Can you shoot threes? Do I have to guard you out there? Are you going to run by me? Because most people do. <laughs> if you want to put the scouting report, you versus Dan, is there anything where we can compare and say you're better or he's better? Or how does how, what do you think there? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think this is the question for voters. Um, what they have in me is someone who has the experience to be on the Supreme Court. Dan Kelly was appointed to the Supreme Court and he didn't have one minute of judicial experience before he was appointed. And he had a very, very thin resume when he was appointed. I have worked you know, my entire career, the last 30 years, much of it on the front line of the criminal justice system. Right now, I'm a trial court judge here in Dane County. I presided over more than 1,700 cases just last year. I see how the law impacts real people every single day in my courtroom. I've also been a prosecutor. I was a prosecutor for almost a decade. I was a vis- victim advocate. I was Wisconsin's first violence against women resource prosecutor. 
and then I was the head of the Office of Crime Victim Services. I helped victims in every county in this state, including the Cross County, get the services and the support and the help that they needed as their cases were winding through the criminal justice system. I have experience in civil law. I've been a law school professor at the University of Wisconsin Law School. So when it comes to experience, I have a depth and breadth of experience that my opponent can't even touch. I also have the experience of following the rule of law in my courtroom. And every single day in my courtroom, I make decisions based on what the law is. And that is very different than my opponent who makes decisions based on a right-wing agenda that he came to the court with. He was appointed because he has that agenda and he has carried out that agenda with surgical precision. Yeah, a lot of times when we pit uh, you know, the last couple of Supreme Court races here. And just in general, a lot of times we're pitting conservative versus uh, liberal when these races aren't really supposed to be. But but the, the fact of the matter now is is they are. They're, they're right and left like everything else. Is there a way to, to kind of reel that in? Do you see a way to bring that balance back a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are a couple things we can do. The first thing we need to do is we have got to pass a strong anti-corruption rule on our Supreme Court. Right now on our Supreme Court, we've got a for sale sign on it. Because what we, what we need is we need a very clear rule so that when money comes in in these judicial campaigns, that if the amount of money is above a certain line, the judge or the justice will not sit on that case. And we don't have that rule right now. People and organizations and the outside money can come in and give, the outside money can come in and give unlimited amounts of money to these campaigns. And there was a chance for the Supreme Court to make sure that we had a very, very clear rule. And Dan Kelly was on the court when they had the opportunity to do that. But what we have now is a rule that was put together by Wisconsin Manufacturers of Commerce and the Realtors Association and they wouldn't even hold a hearing to figure out what a good rule would look like. They were asked to do so in 2016. We have one of the worst recusal rules in the United States because it just opens the door for all this outside influence to come in in these judicial campaigns. And we need to stand up against that. And one of the first things I will do when I'm elected to the Supreme Court is encourage my colleagues to have a hearing so that we can start to look at what a good, strong recusal rule would, would look like so we can make sure that we pass that rule so we can stop all the outside influence in our elections. We need to get rid of the for sale sign in front of the Supreme Court. The second thing we can do is we can elect justices to our Supreme Court who have a long history of making decisions based on the rule of law and not because they've got an agenda. And that's what you're going to have in me. We're speaking with Jill Karofsky, state Supreme Court nominee in Wisconsin. You said that you're home with your kids, your dogs. How old are your kids? I have a 19-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old son. Okay, and I think maybe you said that, and I, I glazed over me earlier. No, that's okay. But, uh, with with your kids at home, do you do you guys obviously you you guys are practicing social distancing? But ha- being a ultra runner and a and a runner and a mom, do you do you get them out? Are they runners themselves? Yeah. So my daughter is a very dedicated yogi, and I just helped her download an app so she could do yoga here. So she just as we were talking, uh, finished working out in our basement. Uh, my son is a football player, so he's been working out every day, uh, either in the basement. We have some free weights down there on a yoga mat. And so he either works out there. He'll go for a run. Uh, my daughter will run, too. She was disappointed that it was raining so hard because she wanted to go for a run today. So they're both pretty active. Mom can smoke them both if we're, uh, we're doing some distance running. Is that how that works? I can, I can go at that. I can go at the same pace, which isn't very fast, all day long. 
have you have your kids ever gotten involved in something that's a little, maybe a 5k where you guys all run together and and uh have, have they beat mom at any of these races they could both they could both easily beat me in a 5k right now yeah i mean they're they're young and strong so yeah we've done we've done some running together they don't really like doing the uh events as much as i do so it's kind of my time to go with my friends and do what i love to do and then i can come home and tell them all about it they're very very supportive of it and they will look at all my pictures and watch my videos. How does your, uh, how did puppy golden retriever do with, with mom, maybe back in the day with running? Did you do that, the, that together? I did that a little bit with my dog, but she gets off and into the woods and then I, I don't know where she goes. Yeah. So I had an, another golden retriever named Pegasus who was an amazing runner. I could run with her a 10 K in the morning and a 10 K after work and climbed a 14 er in Colorado with her and, uh, we did some dog races together. She was an amazing athlete. Um, this dog, Cleo, is an amazing sleeper. I have never been able to run, even when she was young, more than 30 minutes with her. It would be 30 minutes, and then she would just sit down. She just has never really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's so the best. I walk her. That's the best when you're out with a dog, and they decide, I'm tired now, and, I'm, and you kind of have to drag them home. Exactly, yeah. She just, she just never, ever has run more than 30 minutes her entire life. Um, just looking at your history a little bit, uh, you went to Duke University, right? Is that where you got your bachelor's? Yep, I went to Duke for undergrad. Okay, uh, not a lot of Badger fans are going to like this, but I will bring up, I, I saw today ESPN did a NCAA tournament simulation and the Badgers beat Duke to get to the Final Four. So I'll just say that. Yeah, I, I, I saw that as well. <laughs> no <Krof> comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jill Karofsky, State Supreme Court nominee. Thanks a lot for talking with us today. Yeah, this was great fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Make sure everyone goes out and votes early or votes absentee, and I hope everyone stays well. We're all, all in right. this together. All right, thanks a lot, Jill. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. A couple minutes left here. If you want to get in here, I think I think Joe's calling in. Uh Hey, Joe, go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, I was just saying, you know, what is the proof that this virus travels any faster to the population than any other flu virus or other viruses that we haven't been tracking? And then also, what uh, if we all hide from it, what's going to stop the second wave or what's going to stop the second generation that China develops, you know, like COVID-20 from sweeping through the population? Like, where's the end game? All right. Well, the 19 stands for, um, you're, you're right. It would be COVID 19. Yeah. Uh, so do you think that they don't need a COVID 20? They probably need a COVID 21, but, uh, well, I'm sure I, they have it all the way up to whatever they need to do to control the population. But what makes us think hiding from 19 is going to solve anything and we'll it'll just come back through if they're not immune. And then what's going to stop them from releasing 20 well, or 21 I, or whatever? Your your first whatever. question is your first question something about what's going to why is this one spreading faster or something like that? What was it? Well, is it proven to be spreading faster oh. than any other virus? Yeah, I'm. I, I mean, it would have been a better question for any of the doctorish people I had in yesterday, but I think I can answer that in the fact that nobody's immune to it. There are no treatments. There are no vaccines. There's nothing to fight against this, and it's an airborne illness. So as I'm in here, like. Speaking, spitting onto my microphone every day. If I had it, Hayes is going to come in and get it because it's going to be on the microphone. Although I'm wiping down the studio when I'm done. Just that's that's the reason why it's spreading because nobody's immune to it. Well, Rick, what if I know you construed it the other day when I said that 50 percent for the flu vaccine, but what I meant was 
there's usually two different flu strains that run, and they guess early in the year which one is going to take over. Sometimes they get that wrong, and they vaccinate everybody for the wrong strain. Right. So, so what's does if they vaccinate everybody for the wrong strain? How fast does the strain that everybody's not vaccinated against? How fast does that run through the, through the population versus COVID nineteen? That's what I'm saying. Is there any proof the, to say? Is the, uh, there any any proof that this runs faster than when they get the flu strain wrong and it well, runs through the population? Well, like, some why people are we shutting down the country. Some people will be immune to the flu, and the flu is I think I think it's like point one or point three percent death rate. And this thing at this point, because we don't have a very good um, idea of reporting and and who's got it yet. It, it, it's at like two. Or, it's at like two or three percent death rate. So it's three hundred times more deadly. So that's that's why, and it's and it's getting to be more deadly for the elderly. That's why we're trying to, um, you know, slow this down. I guess. And I I I just read today that uh, it said young people, but people between like twenty and forty are actually getting hospitalized quite a bit. They're, it's not deadly for these people, but it's causing them to have to go to the hospital. So the idea so of slowing it is, about the virus yet. What's that? We don't know everything about the virus yet. Though. Right. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know much of anything. I, Joe, I got to go. 